LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Anna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for Gospel Centre Ministry every week. How you been, Scott? I've been pretty good. Now, Derek, can you tell me the three-quarter flat white? How, yeah. How does, it, how does that work? Well, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person because you ordered one. Well, I was in your company this morning and I was embarrassed for you and for the person who took order. But you're a coffee aficionado. And I, I, why, how does it work? Why does the 75% work? Well, it doesn't. That's what I've been trying to tell you for the last two months. It does not work. And the soy does nothing for you either. It's great to be back with you, Scott. It's it great to be it back is good to be you. back. And we are super thankful to be part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. We want to encourage you to check out some of our other podcast partners from around the world. Uh, check out the, uh, their iTunes page and you'll see a whole bunch of other quality Christian podcasts. Uh, but for now, you've pressed play on episode 46 of The One Thing, starting a second service. Now, this is a significant topic. Uh, for many, it's a, it's a significant growth barrier. Pushing, pushing into that second service actually can help you push through 200. And there's loads of questions. When is it time to start a second service? Who should I start a second service or build a, you know, should I build a bigger building? Should the second service be the same as or different to the first service? What impacts does a second service have on ministry and the culture of our church? What time should the service be? Does a second service create a second church? What if I start a second service and it doesn't work? So many questions, Scott. Well, Tim Clemens, uh, lead pastor from Grace City, is going to answer all these questions <laughs> and more. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Welcome, Tim, <laughs> to The One Thing. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be here. Good. Uh, there, there are lots of questions around this topic, and we're not going to answer all of them today, but we are going to hear about your recent experience of actually starting a second service uh, at Grace uh, City Church, which is in Waterloo in Sydney, in one of the most... Uh, Demographically packed areas, you know, densely packed. Densely yeah, packed. Right. You got it. And quite diverse as well, isn't mm, it? In mm, Greensquare. Incredibly. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what was it that drove you guys to start a second service? So, I think when you uh, think about starting a second service, there's a few reasons that you might decide to do it. For us, it was actually that we had been growing and we were starting to reach capacity in our building. And so, uh, most of the literature would suggest that when you when your building moves towards 80% capacity, your growth is going to plateau. And so we were tracking our growth, seeing that that was starting to come. And we thought, all right, we've got to actually get off the ground and, and start this second service. So for us, it was uh, in order to be na- enable ourselves to keep growing rather than plateau. So you did see that plateau, that kind of 80% mark? Yeah, yeah. Now, we were trying to anticipate it, so we didn't let ourselves remain at 80% for too long. But certainly, uh, I'm sure if we did, we wouldn't have uh, grown the way that we have since we've started the second service. It's probably for a different podcast, but just let me ask anyway. What uh, what were the factors that you thought um, slowed the growth, plateaued things at that 80%? Was it that it felt too full, that people weren't connecting as well? What were the factors? Uh, yeah, there's a variety of things. I think, first of all... Uh, it feels like when you look around, if there's if most of the seats are full, people go, oh, sweet, we're done, it's game over. Mm. Now, you can uh, vision cast to, to try and avoid that. Uh, but also there's a, a, a sense of, oh, well, uh, I'm not really needed. Also, the, the newcomer coming along looks around and goes, there's not space for me, they don't need me, I want to go somewhere else where I at least feel like I'm needed. There's a variety of factors. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe another podcast. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, so an option wasn't to build a bigger building? Well, it's an option. It wasn't an option for us. But yeah, that, that's 
whether it's build another building or move into another building, uh, you got to come up with some solution there. And 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 some of the other reasons, you know, uh, a church may start a second service because their current style of of doing church doesn't work and so they're wanting to see that culture change by starting a new thing. Well, that, that wasn't your case? Yeah, correct. I think that's the second reason you might start it. So for us, it was that our building was at capacity and our growth was going to plateau. Now that influences the kind of service when we wanted to start it, all those things. But it might be that someone's back there saying, actually, we've got space, but we want to go after a dim- different demographic of people. And so that will likewise influence the kind of service that you start. It might be at a different time. It might be a different kind of service altogether. So that leads into my next question. You know, when when do you start? You mm. know, what's what led you to your decision of starting a nine a.m. and eleven a.m. service? Uh, so the two separate questions there. Yeah. When do you start? I think you can start too early or you can start too late. Uh, it's a little like church planning in some ways. You can start too late because of the whole 80% capacity thing. If if you let it go on, then you're waiting too long there. Losing momentum. Correct, all that. All the momentum you've worked so hard to build, you lose if you wait too long to do it. On the other hand, you can do it too early. And I think this was my temptation. I got really excited. I got itchy feet. And before we were at that 80% capacity, it was more like you know, 40 50%, frankly. I said, we're going to do it. And then I had to actually realize, no, 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 that was silly. Because if you're going to start two new services, you want to make sure that both of those services each have a critical mass of people. Now, that in most contexts is going to be at least 50 adults in the room on Sunday, which means you're going to have to have 60 or 70 people to make up those teams because they're not all there on a Sunday. And so that's what you're going to need, that critical mass, both really to meet the social contract of what a church is. It feels like something's happening here. It doesn't feel like a small Bible or a large Bible study, but also uh, to have the people to ensure that you can resource all the necessary ministries at both services without burning people out. Uh, so you can do it too soon. You can also do it too late. Um, you, though, asked, why did we decide to go 9-11? Yeah, so the, the question, because often people would go and eat, that the next step would be, well, we've got to go an evening service, we can reach out to university students. Mm. You decided to go for two morning services mm. or another morning service rather than mm. start another evening service. So that comes back to what I was saying earlier, which was the reason that we were doing it was not that our building wasn't full and we wanted to reach a different group. It was saying, actually, what we're doing here at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning is actually working. It's just that we have run out of space to keep meeting these reaching these people. So we wanted to go, all right, how can we basically photocopy what we're doing, replicate it, and put it at as close a time as possible to what we're currently doing so that we can just have more on-roads or on-ramps in order to keep reaching the same people that we're reaching. Because we had a tap that was on, we had runs on the board, we just wanted to create more space in order to keep reaching those people. Hmm. That's good. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, Scott has some goodies for us in the toolbox. What do you got, Scott? So my top three must-have resources for starting a second service. The first is a a really helpful uh, booklet that uh, Tim put together with his team on a guide to two services. Really helpful document that sort of maps out the decision process, the reasons for, and and really shows, I guess, how you might uh, communicate to your church family this, this big change. Uh, the second thing is, uh, is it's a church in a box course, building the building leaders course. I know we've talked about this loss, but one of the things in moving to a second service that you, you are going to have to wrestle with is, is the whole need for more teams. You know, you're you're replicating a whole new service, so you're going to need all those teams replicated again. So thinking into how you might create teams uh, is re- is really helpful. Now, third, thirdly, there there are loads of books on on growth barriers. 
uh, I think they're all helpful just in sort of getting you to think into some of the cultural shifts you're going to make as uh, as a leader and then for your church as well. The classic is probably Carl F. George's book, How to Break Growth Barriers. Uh, so that would just be one, but there are, there are loads out there. But but read something on that just to help raise those questions. The fourth one, probably Ed Stetzer. Well, no, no. His course. I was just thinking about um, the 75% latte that you had this morning. So the 80-20 rule. We might provide some links to the 80-20 rule because... Uh, because I think that is quite a significant thing. Yes, we'll, we'll do another podcast, but I'll, uh, I can remember the, the email discussions I had with Tim when he was going through this, you know, rolled around, you know, whether he has 80% milk or 100% milk in his, uh, his latte. So I'll put those on as well. I can smell self-justification oozing through the microphone, Scott. All right. Oh, look, the last one I would add is Ed Stetzer. He has a, a great course on, on breaking growth barriers, particularly the 200 barrier, where he got lots of wisdom around this that'll help. Anyway, back into it. Enough of uh, Scott's coffee justification. Uh, so, Tim, as you were um, going through this decision-making process about um, uh, when to start and whether to start and what, mm. what it would look like, um, how did you do that as a church, not just as a kind of top-down central mm, leadership? Mm, mm. Uh, kind of as a cascading at a few levels. So I went away, thought about it, um, brought a bunch of ideas back to the team. Now, this actually, as I mentioned before, we tried to do it too early and or th- said we were going to do it too early, realised that that was a mistake, so stepped back. How did you realise that? I just thought about all the things that I've told you and realised I was foolish to say when we had 80 people mm-hmm. that next October we're going to start a new service with 40 people and we don't know when it's going to be. So it wasn't outrage from the congregation? No, 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 no. It was me realising... What, what have I just done? That I was getting itchy feet. Hey, everyone starts a new service. We're going to do it. Yep. No, 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 no. Wait until it's the right time, then move forward. So having realized that, it was a few different levels. I thought about it. I brought that to the team. We went back and forth, back and forth. We debated 9 and 11 a.m. or 4 p.m. or 7 p.m. When are we going to do it? Um, we put together some thoughts. We then went to the next level and asked uh, sort of our leaders in the church so community group leaders as well as people of influence so we had two separate sort of focus groups I put together a paper explaining why I thought this was what we should be doing we heard back from people Uh, in the process of that uh, one or two things were brought to our attention which I had just overlooked and that we can maybe touch on this a little later but that was the importance of our community time and protecting that because our original plan was well, we think our growth engine is this Sunday service. And so as long as we just do two same Sunday services, 9, maybe 10.30 or something like that, that'll be fine. Just bring them in, boot them out, get the second one in. But through conversations with people, it helped us realise that actually it's not only a growth engine, our commute time, it's actually a deep value of ours. And part of what makes us as a church unique, or at least special, I think, is the the time before and after the service for people to get together and, and um build community so so that so that's a really critical point actually understanding humanly speaking because it is god who gives the growth mm. it's the holy spirit who works in people's lives but actually understanding humanly speaking what is it that has actually you know grown your church mm. and and reflecting on that because y- yeah you, you it's don't, critical you don't want to kill the <laughs> goose that grow that lays the golden egg yes so it's figure out what has been our growth engine and if you're trying to just do the same thing make sure you don't break that mm. in starting two mm. new services uh so that was, you know, once we'd all agreed, okay, this is what we're doing, uh, we heard from different levels, then we announced it to the congregation. Most people were actually really supportive and excited by that. Then there were just a few 
uh, change management steps. Like we at one point did a little trial run. We did we did a a a, a, um, a final celebration lunch and all those sorts of things just to say, hey, this has been great, hasn't it? But now we're closing down this 10 a.m. service and we're starting two new services, one at nine and one at 11, and we're all moving forward, committed to the vision of continuing to make a mature disciples. So just a few things to push in there. One, one of the things I think was, was really helpful that I saw you do was this, this survey. You asked, you asked three questions. Uh, where can I bring, in thinking about this service, you wanted everyone to be thinking, uh, as they thought about you know be, being a part mm. of nine and, and mm. eleven a.m. once you made that decision, uh, to think through well where can I bring my non-Christian friends? Mm. Second question was when can I serve before mm. they ask? And then thirdly, which is the most most actually convenient for me as they thought through which service they were going to commit to? Well, why ask those three questions? Yeah, that's helpful. So that's in the context of going. All right, we've got this hundred and fifty people or whatever that we're wanting to start a new two new services with. Well. How are we going to divide them between 9 and 11? Now, we wanted it to be that they got to make the decision. We didn't want to treat them like kids and just tell them where to go. But we wanted them to think missionally and go, right, why are we doing this? It's not just for our own convenience. No, 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 no. Uh, we started this church to see new people come to know Christ and grow in Christ. And so, therefore, the questions we've got to ask as we're considering two new services is not me first, but others first, the kingdom first. And so I want to ask... Where can I, which of these two services can I invite a friend to? Which service can I serve at? And then, then which is more com- uh, most convenient for me? Yeah, and, uh, still recognising they are human beings yeah. with kids, with things going on in their lives. And so you still ask that question, which is really important. And, and you said before, you shut them down. No, you shut your one service down and mm. started two up. You didn't mm. move one Correct. and start another. Correct. That was an important decision for you guys? Yeah, very much so. We'd spoken to one or two others who'd said... Uh, who, you know, they had a 10 a.m. service and then they started a new 4 p.m. service, for example. And the feedback that they got was that the 4 p.m. felt like the new and exciting thing, whereas the 10 a.m. where everyone was left behind felt like the old boring thing. And so we wanted to be really clear, actually everyone here is engaged in a new thing. So we're closing down this 10 a.m. and we all get to be new missionaries starting new services each of us uh, are moving forward together in this. Yeah, no now, one's being left behind. One final question. You are in the most densely populated part of Australia. One of the things that really pushes against this often is, well, we just want to keep being a family. And we just, you know, I want to keep seeing, you know, Tim and Tim and Em and Brooke. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm not going to be able to see them because they're at 11 o'clock now. Uh, how do you push against that, that sort of small church mentality? Yeah, great question. We, uh, from the very beginning, have tried to cast a harvest-sized vision rather than a barn-sized vision. So a barn-sized vision looks at the barn and says, hey, we're almost there, then we can finish. Whereas a harvest-sized vision says, no, 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 look out at the harvest. They're ripe for harvest, white for harvest, and so we just have to keep moving. So uh, presenting people uh, with gospel convictions, the realities of heaven and hell, uh, the glory of God, all of those things, I think most people, when you explain it to them, go, oh, yeah, actually, it's not about me. It's about God and his glory. Let's go. Yep, that's good. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Tim? What's the one thing that you want to leave us with? Do it, but don't do it too soon. Good. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, As we said at the start, we're part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Before you go, we just want to point you to one of our other podcast partners, uh, Group Answers Podcast. It's co-hosted by Chris Surratt and Brian Daniel. They're part of our network and They've recently talked about dealing with difficult people. Uh, they've ranked discipleship books. They've interviewed uh, Trilla Newbell. So just look up Group Answers uh, on your favourite podcasting app and subscribe today. Now, just a heads up, Derek. Uh, can you tell us about an event that's happening soon? Yeah, I can. 
if you know Geneva Push, which is a church planning network that uh, Scott and I um, uh, work with, uh, we have a national conference called Multiply every year, uh, but we are mixing things up this year. It's growing, uh, it's exciting. Uh, there's a new conference that we are combining with uh, and team pastoring at EV Church, you might know that. It's called the Reach Australia Conference. It's a new conference that embraces Multiply and team pastoring. Vine Growers, uh, the Vine Project, if you're familiar with them. Uh, Oilstone uh, Training, if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, June 25 to 28 at EV Church on the Central Coast, uh, Aussie Bible teachers, sorry to our US listeners, uh, great workshops, network of pastors. Uh, and you can register online at reachaustralia.com.au forward slash conference. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. Coming up in our next, next episode, we've got Tim, again, more of Woo. Tim, but with Amy Townsend as well. And we're going to be thinking about effective integration. I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. Chat soon.